0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: And amen, you may be seated here and around all the campuses. We're so glad that you're with us this week and there's no other name but Jesus, is there? There's no other name under heaven or earth that can save us but the name of Jesus. Can we celebrate that together? Well welcome, welcome to 12 Stone, whether you're here live at the Sugarloaf campus, let me hear you. There you go. Whether you're at one of the other six campus locations, if you're there, let me hear you. And don't be shy. If you're at the other campuses, give us a cheer. If you're at 12 Stone Home, we're glad that you're with us. Man, we are in the middle. Actually, we're at the end of a series about rebuilding what has been broken this year. And if you're honest, we've all, we've all lost something this year. Things have crumbled this year. Things that once stood strong. Over the last 12 months, towers have crumbled. Things have crumbled. Our values have crumbled. And we're here saying... It's time to rebuild. It's time to build back the things that made our life work. And we started on week one talking about rebuilding worship. That Jesus has to take the throne of our life. God has to be first in everything we do. It includes returning to worship at 12 Stone Live or at a 12 Stone Home Gathering. We have to put an end to you just consuming church by yourself. That's not how you were designed to do it. Many of you circled Easter and said, that's when I'm coming back to a live or a home gathering. Can't wait to see you next weekend. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. Then last weekend we talked about rebuilding community. See, you weren't designed to do life by yourself. You weren't designed to rebuild alone. See, and thousands of you jumped into small groups last week and said, you know what? It's time to get around the people of God. It's time to rebuild my people. In fact, God often answers prayers through other people. We got to get around God's people and watch him move. And maybe you're sitting here going, shoot, I wanted to get into a small group and I I missed it last week. We opened up a bunch more spots this week. Text uh, groups to 37748. We'd love to help you get connected into a small group because you weren't designed to rebuild alone. And now this week we're talking about impact, rebuilding impact. See, when I, when I use the word impact, here's what I mean. You were designed on purpose with a purpose. Do you know that? You were designed on purpose with a purpose. You're not a cosmic mistake. You're not just aimlessly walking through this world. See, you, you weren't put here to just, to just go through life, to pay a mortgage for 30 years so you can finally own your home and then leave it behind when you die. You weren't designed to work 40 hours a week for 40 years and get a 401k that allows you to retire. That's not the, the only reason you're here. You weren't, you weren't created just to make enough money to have nice clothes in your closet that you're going to leave behind anyway. See, many of us are spending the majority of our life on things we're going to leave behind anyway. And God's going, I want to invite you into making an impact with your life. So when I say impact, it means when your life comes into contact with someone else's life and they move closer to Jesus. That's what making an impact's about. See, what are you doing that is beyond yourself? That's a haunting question, isn't it? What are you doing that's beyond you and yours? What would people lose if they lost you? What are you doing in your life that affects somebody else? Those are impact questions. See, God today is inviting us to rebuild impact. And here's what I mean when I say impact from Scripture. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. See, listen, if you have any understanding of what Jesus did for you would, you, would you live in such a way that your world is not just about you? And that sounds like a beautiful way to live, but this year, if we're honest, that's been a really challenging way to live. Can we just have an honest nod together? You don't have to raise a hand, but that way of living has been challenging this year, right? So let me, let me tell you what happens. As you take losses, as you take an L, your life starts to shrink. And as you take loss after loss this year, you lost a job maybe. Maybe your income was lowered this year because your company's not as profitable. Maybe you lost some relationships. You start to feel the walls of your life sort of shrink onto yourself. Let me let me give you a picture of what that looks like. See, here's what played out this year. Your world was big and broad 12, 13 months ago, Hopefully. Your world was not all about you. And then you start to take some losses and you start to feel your world shrink. You start to feel it get smaller and you take some more losses and it shrinks again. And then you you start to realize this thing's not going to be over in three months and six months and nine months. And now you're standing there going, I feel like the world's collapsing and you get to a point where your world is no bigger than you. It's just you in a fetal position. Hold on to the last Roll a toilet paper going, you're not taking this. (laughs) That's what happens. What what happens in a culture when we fight over toilet paper? Your world shrunk down to the size of you. And What God's inviting you to is, listen, this whole thing is not about you. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you get this? The whole world doesn't revolve around you. And many of us, our world shrunk down to a point where I'm worried about me and mine and that's it. I want to keep food in the cupboard, toilet paper in the bathroom, and let the rest of the world figure it out. And God's today ringing the bell going, it's time to rebuild impact. It's time for us as the church to rebuild impact. And listen, our calling in Philippians 2 doesn't change just because the world got harder. You know how easy it is to read scripture and go, yeah, but that, that's not during a pandemic. I'll live that way once the pandemic's over. I'll live that way when it gets easier. God's going, listen, church, you were created for this. We're the ones who get to live freely because we have a God who watches over us. We were created to make an impact with our life. When everyone else in culture, when everyone else says, listen, get get down to a point where you're just self-preserving, the upside down kingdom of God beckons. We don't self-preserve. We make an impact. We're called to live bigger than ourselves. Listen, the gospel is too big for us to live small lives. And God's inviting us today to rebuild the broken down walls of impact in our life. And if you remember, we're using the story of Nehemiah as sort of our, our text in scripture. It's a story of God calling an ordinary guy like you or me to an extraordinary task, saying, Listen, I'm inviting you to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And when we say rebuild the walls, it's not, it wasn't about Nehemiah rebuilding a physical wall. It was about Nehemiah helping people to rebuild their values. And when I say we're rebuilding, I'm saying the same thing. We're here to rebuild worship and community and impact. And that's what God's inviting us today. And so I want us to see inside of the story of Nehemiah, how God invites us to rebuild impact. See, in the story, we we sat at the front end of the story and Nehemiah gets uh, permission from the king to go back to Jerusalem. He gets resourced by the king to go take and use the wood that the king had, go chop the king's trees down. And he shows up and gets a group of community around him and says, we're going to go rebuild this thing together. And they show up to Jerusalem. There's opposition and people fighting back. But eventually the wall is complete. Like eventually in the story, the wall is back to what it was supposed to be. And I want you to see the impact of what Nehemiah did. Here's the impact of what Nehemiah did. Here's in in Nehemiah 12. Here's the end of it. We're not going to read all this, and you're not supposed to be able to read all this. These were the priests and Levites who returned. Weird Old Testament names. Here's, here's, here's all I want you to see. These are all the people that were impacted by Nehemiah's life. I want you to see this. There's all kinds of weird names in here, and these are just the priests and Levites. What happened? When the wall was done being built, people from all over the ancient world got to return home to their city. You see all these names here. This is just a testament to what Nehemiah's life stood for. This is part of the impact. But I want you to see some. I don't have time to teach this. This is the second list in the book of Nehemiah. There's two lists. In Nehemiah 3, there is a long list, a whole chapter, where they're detailing who built what in the wall. This is the list of people who showed up to rebuild and then Nehemiah 12 is the list of people that showed up once the rebuilding was over. Let me just say this. There's always two groups in a rebuild. There's a group of people who shows up to rebuild, and there's a group of people that wait until it's done, and then they show up. Do you know how easy it would be for Nehemiah to respect the list in chapter 3 and just be annoyed by the list in chapter 12? Could we be honest? I do this to my wife. Like I'll hear her vacuuming, and I'll sort of hang back, and I heard the vacuum come off, and I go, hey, can I help? And she's like, it's done. Oh, I wanted to help. That's, that's Nehemiah 12. But listen, God has designed us. Those of you who are here and the early adopters of rebuilding, God designed us to rebuild without resenting the people who aren't here yet. We're here to rebuild the places so people can return The church is called to go first, and there's a world around us of people that are longing to return. The world is a mess right now. The world's a dumpster fire right now. The church has to rebuild so people can return, and that's exactly what happens in Nehemiah 12. The end of the chapter, it shows what happens. All the people come back. And for the first time in hundreds of years, worship returns to the city of Jerusalem. They get these choirs, just picture this. They get these choirs of people and they encircle the city standing on the wall and they sing praises to God over the city. Can you imagine what that would be like after seeing the walls down for hundreds of years and suddenly the walls are back? Everyone returns and worship returns to the city. A reverence for God returns to the city. It was a party like no other, it was like an Old Testament revival. Like we're back. God's city has been rebuilt and we return to worship the God of the city. I think that's a picture we should have in our head. Oh God, as we rebuild, would the impact of what we rebuild be that people return to worshiping God for who he is and what he's done? That's what God's calling us to do. You see, Nehemiah's impact was, rest- was to restore what was lost to the people of Jerusalem. And God's inviting us. Listen, it's time to rebuild impact but that celebration in Nehemiah 12 has an origin and I want you to see this the very first chapter of Nehemiah the, the party of what happened because of his impact has an origin moment and it's a common moment and we have these common moments every day all the time these little moments that you could almost let just slip by Nehemiah grabbed it. I want you to see what happened in Nehemiah 1. Here's, here's what happened. We've read it before. I want you to see it afresh. and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Hinn and i shows up. He goes, Nehemiah, by the way, Jerusalem's in trouble. Place is on fire. The people are in a bad shape. And he walks away. How, how is it that two people have the same information and one's bothered by it and one's unbothered by it? Don't, don't, don't fly by this. How, how does Nehemiah and, Hinn and I have the same information and one is bothered and one is unbothered? It's like, it's like riding in a car with a slow driver. Some people are just so cool with like Sunday drives. I'm in the back seat, and I'm like, anyone else feel this? We're going too slow. What are we doing? Go. Move faster. Like, it bothers me. Some of y'all, like you can be in a, in a dirty room, and it doesn't bother you. You're like, what? It's not dirty. It's fine. And others you are like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass out. This is so dirty. I'm so frustrated. The walls are closing in on me. It bothers you. Like, how can you experience the same thing and have two different reactions to it? See, for Nehemiah, when he heard the news, it moved him. When Hannah and I heard the news, he just moved on. See, how can we experience and see the same things? And for some of us, we're moved by it, and others just move along. See, God has someone catch your eye. You see someone suffering or in need. You see a coworker having a bad day. There's a new kid at school that's obviously looking lonely and sad and isolated. Someone in your neighborhood gets a bad diagnosis. You hear about a single mom who's struggling with the bills. Does that move you, or do you just move on? See, impact is predicated on how you respond to what you see. See, Nehemiah has sort of a a roadmap, three steps to living a life of impact. And I want to unpack this with you. And this is still true to this day. This is how God invites you into living a life of impact. And here's the first thing that always has to happen God moves your heart. See, this all starts with God. God moves your heart. See, when, when, you, see, uh, when you see someone suffering, when you see something that, that's happening that, that you go, that's, that's not right, God has to move your heart. It's not enough that you just see it. God has to move something in you. And Nehemiah was moved where other people were comfortable. You want to know what makes somebody great when they're moved by something that everyone else is comfortable with? Everybody throughout history that's worth talking about. Everybody throughout history that's worth mentioning their name figured this out. They did it because they were living for something bigger than themselves. See, what What do you cry about? What moves you? What would you fight for? What would you sacrifice for? See, if you don't know how to answer that question, you've never truly lived. You've just existed. See, God has to move our hearts. And listen, maybe your world has shrunk this year, and it's gotten so small to the place where you're just in self-preservation mode, and you don't remember the things that God used to move your heart towards. Maybe it's poverty, early childhood education and reading, widows and orphans, suffering, suffering. Marriage building, discipling young Christians, making money to fund kingdom initiatives, serving at church. Maybe you've allowed your circle to shrink down so small that you've moved on from the things that used to move you. And maybe God would stir in us as a church. Oh, if we could, if we could have God stir our hearts, if God could stir our hearts to move us towards things, towards people that are suffering, towards places we can make an impact. And listen, maybe if you're honest, you're like, I, I don't even know where to start with that. I think maybe I have moved on from the things that used to move me. We created an environment called Growth Track, and I want, I'd love to invite you to jump into it. Here across the campuses online with 12 Stone Home, it's just a three week deal where we help unpack and show you your gifting, your wiring, how God's created you. I believe all of us have wiring to want to make an impact. You can just text Growth Track 37748. We want to help you rebuild this stuff. See, my father in law, who since went to be with Jesus, he had a wiring. And a compassion for children's suffering that I've never seen in anyone else before. Like this dude, if he, saw, if he saw a child in trouble, like it messed him up. He couldn't, like we started to watch Slumdog Millionaire, he had to leave. Like he, he couldn't watch this, the, the sadness and the poverty that was happening. That's just how God wired him. He couldn't let it stand, he couldn't be around it and allow it to stand. See, I think God's put that kind of wiring in all of us. Does God moving in your heart. God has to move your heart somewhere. He has to stir this in us to make an impact, but it's not enough that God just stirs our heart. Secondly, here's the second step. We have to move to action. See, God moves our heart and then we move to action. It's not enough that we're just moved to emotion. We have to be moved to action. I don't know if you've noticed this year. There's been a lot of people who have been moved to emotion without action. Hashtag social media. Making a post is not impact. Just saying, listen, this is terrible. Move on with life. That's not impact. See, we're not just being moved to emotion. God's calling us to move to action. If Nehemiah had just cried in the palace, like, man, it's so sad the walls are down anyway, and moved on, like he wouldn't have made an impact. He had to actually go rebuild the walls. And the same is true for us. It's not enough that our emotions are stirred. We have to move to action. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, people should move you. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you, when you realize what Jesus did for you, when you recognize that when you were at your lowest, most broken moment, the God of heaven reached down and pulled you out of your sin and your suffering and gave you new life in Christ, it should soften your heart towards people. That should be a natural reaction to when you understand the gospel. So your world cannot stay small when you recognize the size of what God did for you. In order to live a life of action, you have to live an open-handed life. Here's what I mean by that. Last summer, my son, my youngest, Lincoln, it's kind of sneaky. So he ran in the, in the cupboard and he pulled out the sleeve of Oreos and he went outside. All his friends were in the driveway hanging out. And so he's, he's passing out Oreos just... Come on, let's go. Everyone's like, oh, Lincoln's the best. Thank you. He's like, yeah, take as many as you want. He's handing out Oreos. Miles has got chocolate all over it. He's eating them too. And I come outside and see what's happening going, dude, they got their own cupboards. Like, that's enough. So I get the Oreos like, we're good. And he had like two left in his hand. Here's what I watched happen. When I took the Oreos away, his hand closed. Don't, 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 don't miss this. When he had unlimited Oreos in the tray, he was easy handing them out. And suddenly when I pulled them back, his last two Oreos... His life just shrunk down to me. See, if you want to be a person that's known as a person who lives a life of impact, your hand has to be open. You have to say, God, any time that you've given me, any talents that you've given me, any treasure that you've entrusted to me, it's yours. I don't own my stuff. I don't. It's not all about me. It's not all mine. God, you entrusted this to me. I will live open-handed. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, you were bought with a price. You're no longer your own. And everything in your life, you have to see through the open-handed filter and say, God, anything you give me, everything you've, you've entrusted to me is all yours. I give you my time, my talent, my treasure. Do you think God gives you gifts and gifting for yourself? Like if you have the gift of singing, is that for you to sing in the shower? No. I mean, sure, do that, but it's more than that. It's for others. You think God makes you really good at business so that you can have a killer 401k and that's it? No. He's calling you to fund the kingdom. I think God's given you the ability to build a business. Our ability to be good with people and have hospitality sort of giftings. Is that for you? No, it's for others. See, Romans 12 is an open-handed prayer. This is a prayer I invite us all to pray together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. An open-handed prayer is saying, God, I offer you me as a living sacrifice. If you want to live a life of impact, it's you saying, God, all of me is yours. Like anything you've given me is not just for me. In a world that says you care about you and yours, the kingdom of God says, no, flip that. You care about others. You care about people that you don't even know yet. Because while you were yet a sinner, God sent Jesus. Before you even know somebody, you're ready to make an impact, be generous, to give to them to serve them, to be kind to them. That's what God invites us to. So we have to take inventory of what God's put in our hands. See, if we're called to live open-handed, we got to take inventory of what God's actually put into our hands. And there's two questions you should be asking yourself. Please write these down. These are questions to wrestle with. Where has God placed you? What has God given you? These These are two impact questions. These are the things you ask to take inventory of what God's called you to be about. Where God's called you to make an impact. Where has God placed you? What has God given you? For Nehemiah, God placed him in the palace. Secondly, what has God given you? Through the king, God gave Nehemiah all the supplies he needed to rebuild the walls. So Nehemiah was positioned perfectly to make the impact he made. And you are positioned perfectly to make the impact God's going to call you to make. Where has God placed you? What has God given you? Time? Talents? Treasures. See, there's five or six stories. I want to just illustrate this. I want you to see how this plays out. There's a, there's a guy in Texas that owns this massive furniture store. And here's what he, here's what he decided he, well, there's the, that huge winter storm that came through. You remember this? And all the power went out in, in, in Houston, Texas. And there's people that were living in their cars because they had no power to heat their house. He, he looked around and where did God place them in Houston? What did God give him? He had a handful of giant furniture stores. He's hearing about people like huddled around a kerosene lamp trying to survive the winter. And he realized, I've got like hundreds of living room sets that are are set up for display in my store. So what did he do? He opened up his store. He went and bought a bunch of diesel fuel for his generators. And he said, listen, if your house doesn't have power, come here. I've got living rooms set up. And he housed over 500 people through the storm. That's, that's, that's impact. That's recognizing what God's done. They call him Mattress Mac, by the way, which is a sick name. Mattress Mac. That's the, he, he looked and said, listen, I, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm placed in Houston, Texas. I've been given furniture stores. I'm open-handed with my business. A guy named Brian Mason attends 12 stone. And he recognized that he has a coffee shop in downtown Lawrenceville called Boulder Creek. And last weekend he recognized, listen, I, I close on Sundays anyway. And so I might as well open this thing up and say, let's do a 12 stone home gathering right here in my coffee shop. So he brought in his employees and they're serving free coffee to people. And he's just opening up what God's given him. And, he, and last weekend they had over 30 people show up to 12 stone home. That, that, that's a man who looks at his life and says, where has God placed me? Downtown Lawrenceville. What has God given me? A coffee shop open-handed with what God's entrusted to me. There's a lady, another lady in Texas. Her name's Tova. She, has, she lives in a house out there, and God stirred her to say, listen, God's given me a living room. What can I do with this? So she started a 12 stone home group in her living room. She went around to all her neighbors and got little mugs and put candy in them and said, listen, I'd love to invite you to come to church. God placed her in that neighborhood, and God gave her a, a living room. And she's saying, God, my living room is open-handed to you. Do what you want. It's a man named Robert Mallon at the Flowery Branch campus. He's an incredibly successful uh, business coach and consultant. Like he, he goes all around the place helping to pour into business businesses and business leaders, and he charges a, a ton of money for it. He's very successful, and a couple of years ago, God just sort of gave him a, really? Is that all you're here for? And it stirred him, and he started something called The Three, where every year he gets three young men that are in the business world, and he spends a year pouring into them for free. Just how do you build a business, build a family, and not lose your soul? So See, he's seen it happen too much where someone has a ton of, of skill and ability and they, they grow and they go somewhere in business and they crash everything else. And he's going, I need to do this. This is a place where God's called me. Where was he? He's in Flowery Branch, Georgia. What's God given him? Business acumen and a soul that loves Jesus. So he open-handed his life and said, God, this is all yours. It's a man named Daniel, recently retired here at 12 Stone. Lives in a neighborhood and heard his, his neighbor's wife had cancer, just got a bad diagnosis. So he grabbed the neighbors and said, listen, let's, let's just bring him some dinner. And what did he do? He went and picked up a pizza. He brought a pizza next door and just said, man, I know it's a tough time. Man, I know you're struggling. I just want to make it a little bit easier for you and know that God sees you in all this. So what did he have? He, he lived in a neighborhood is where God placed him. God put 20 bucks in his pocket and he got a pizza. See, don't overcomplicate this stuff. There's a third grade girl at the Lawrenceville campus named Flora Jambor, And early in the, the lockdowns, she heard that there were elderly people in her neighborhood that were like, lockdown, lockdown. Like they don't get to go anywhere. They, they can't have family come see them. So what did she do? She got her little pen and paper and she drew them pictures. And On the back, she wrote a letter just saying, hi, I hope you're doing well. Just reaching out and put it in their mailboxes. She got a bunch of letters back from these elderly people going, thank you. It's the first human contact we've had. Third grade girl, what did God give her? Gave her a little bit of time. Gave her some markers, piece of paper. She said, God, I'm open-handed with it. See, God invites us to take inventory of what, where he's placed us, what he's given us, and to use it to make impact. Listen, all of us have to go shopping. Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, you have to go do life. You might as well look at where God's placed you and say, "All right, God put me in Publix. God gave me a little bit of time here. God, how can I make an impact? Where would you move my heart? See, nothing makes me more proud than when I go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress hears that I'm a pastor at 12 Stone and they say this, I love waiting on 12 Stone people. They're so kind. They tip so well. Honestly, nothing makes me more proud. You know that the Sunday after church crowd is known as the cheapest sons of guns out there? You know that? Y'all get a the church gets a bad rap cuz we so we show up here, we give it all for Jesus and then we give a buck to a waitress. Listen, the service industry has been decimated in the past 12 months. Let's all here, let me let me make this simple. Let's all make an impact when we go to lunch today. Would you go tip generously today and tell the waiter or waitress, Jesus is wild about you? Throw an extra tip down and say, listen, Jesus loves you like crazy, and so do we. Don't don't overcomplicate impact. We're all positioned to make an impact. This doesn't have to be, I have to fly across the world, although some of you, God might stir your heart for it. For some of you, it just might be going across the street, across the aisle in Kroger. For some of you, it might just say, listen, I'm going to decide to be a regular somewhere. I'm going to get my coffee at the same place every day so I can meet some people and get to know people and ask God, would you stir my heart to make an impact? See, don't overcomplicate it. The last piece that God sort of builds into us to rebuild impact is this. So first of all, God stirs your heart. He moves your heart. And secondly, we move to action. And third, people move toward Jesus. This is our end game. See, for, for Nehemiah, when he, when he built the wall, people showed back up at the city, and what happened? Worship. It wasn't about the stones being put back in the wall. It was about a people regathering to worship, and, and our world has changed over the last 10 years. People do not care about our gospel until they see our good works. People will not listen to your message until they've watched your life. It used to be, open the door. Can I tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Yes, let's have a conversation. That day is over. Like People don't care what you say until they see how you live. And our calling as followers of Jesus is that we would live in such a way that people would move towards Jesus. See, here's what it says in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good deeds and then point to your Father in heaven. Not that they may see your political views and point to your Father in heaven. Not that they will see the opinions you have about a vaccine or about what's going on in this situation or that, and they'll point, no, they'll see your good deeds. Listen, church, we were built for this. We're built to live our lives in such a way that we live open handed, and people go, How do you live so freely in a season where everyone else is just locked up about themselves, self preservation? How can you live so open handed? Because we have a provider. Do you live like you know God's your provider? Do you live like you know that there's a Savior that died for you and you have an eternity with Jesus? You can't outgive God. You can't outserve God. You can't outbless God. God's calling us to rebuild. Our worlds have shrunk down and God's going, listen, we have to push our worlds bigger than ourselves, bigger than me and mine. Because that's the, the beckoning call of the gospel. See, all this is not about just being nice. You don't have to know Jesus to be nice. All this is not like, take your neighbor a pizza, and that's great. That's good. But ultimately, this is about people moving towards Jesus. Who cares if they have a pizza and they go to hell? Let me just be blunt. Who cares if we give them a water bottle at a 5K and and they don't know Jesus? Who cares? I want my life to point people towards Jesus. And maybe this week, the biggest impact you can make is to invite somebody to Easter. Who do you know that's near to you but far from God? Maybe, maybe you'll invite someone to your 12-stone home group and say, listen, I know, I know you. have seen you around the park a little bit. Will you come, come do 12-stone home with me? Maybe you'll bring someone with you next week into a 12-stone live and say, listen, I want you to just come hang out with my church. You'll love it. Because we want to introduce people to Jesus. See, the recipe for a life of impact that God would move your heart. And you would move to action, and ultimately people would move toward Jesus. See, last week, I told you a story about my dryer. It was a rough week last week in the Barry House. My dryer stopped working, and my friend heard about it and said, Dude, I got, an extra, I got an extra dryer. So I went up to the gas station. I picked it up. I had my dryer working within an hour. Remember that? There's a second half to that story that's even better. I mean, let me bring us back. So I, I drive about 8, 830 at night, drive to a gas station between my house and his house. And we meet. And he takes the dryer, puts it on my truck. But here's what's going on. It's, it was downpouring, like the heaviest rain we've had in months. And so I'm going, how am I getting this dryer home without it just being ruined? And this little girl that worked in the gas station saw what we were trying to do. And she came running out with these giant trash bags. She's like, hey, you want to cover that up so it doesn't fry all the stuff? I like, thank you. So she helps us cover up the dryer. and We get it all strapped down and we get into a conversation with her. She just mentions, hey, yeah, you guys just you giving him a dryer. Yeah, my dryer broke. And she mentioned, yeah, my washing machine doesn't work anymore. I looked over at my friend. and He looked at me and he's like, I got the matching washer to the dryer. You want a washing machine? And you should have seen her face just softened. She went, are you serious? Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in your car right now. She's like, hold on. She ran in, got her keys back to the RAV4 up, laid her seats down. We slid this washing machine in. By the way, when you're loading a washing machine, make sure you get it this way so all the water gets out before you put it in a sweet lady's car. Um, she got a washing machine. Give it up. <laughs> Loaded it, then pulled it back out quickly, let it empty, and put it back into her RAV4. And that lady went home with a Working washing machine. She said, oh, it's an answer to prayer. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> see, I wonder. I wonder if we miss little moments to make an impact. See, so She said, that's an answer to prayer. That washing machine was God just whispering, I see you. You're not alone. It was so simple for us was so meaningful for her. That's the nature of impact. See, I wonder if some of us are driving around life and we got stuff sitting in the back of our pickup truck. God's like, I would love to use that to make an impact. What's, let me make it cheesy. What's in the back of your truck? What's God entrusted to you? Maybe you've overlooked it. Like we almost could have just left there and missed an opportunity to make an impact on her life. Maybe God would ask, what's in the back of your truck? Maybe you got time. Maybe you're an empty nester and you've got some time in your hands. Maybe you're a young single and you're like, I got some space in my life. Maybe you got weekend space and you can you can look for opportunities to serve people or serve in the church or get back into it. Maybe God's giving you talents, like Robert, where you have business acumen and God's like, pour into the next generation. Maybe you, maybe you have the gift of hospitality. You go, man, I need to use my home to move people towards Jesus. Maybe you know how to bake. Bake a pie in Jesus' name. I mean, come on. What's better than apple pie in Jesus? Like, what, what, is, what talent has God given you? And then what treasure do you have? And maybe, maybe God's given you the ability to make money. That's a gift. I believe that God's, if God's given you the ability to make money, he's given you the gift of giving. Those things go together, and maybe it's time for you to start funding some kingdom initiatives. See, it's your generosity that allowed us to write a check for uh, the the recovery effort in Noonan, Georgia, when the storm went through. Your generosity makes impacts. Keep fueling that. Maybe you need to bless a single mom or a neighbor. God doesn't give you that stuff for you to hoard it. See, in this season, God's calling us to live a life of impact, to rebuild impact, but maybe this year you've taken enough losses that if you're honest, your world has shrunk down to about the size of you. And it feels like your Oreos got stolen and you felt your hand just close around whatever it is you have left this year. And God's going, listen, I've already put what you need to live a life of impact in the back of your truck. If you would just see it different. If you would allow God to move your heart again If you'd be honest about the places you've moved on that God used to move your heart for things, maybe God would invite us as a church to live a life where wherever we go, when people hear the name 12 stone, they go, that's the church that just loves people. Man, if that was true of us. See, we want to pray that over you. See, as we wrap this Nehemiah series, it's time to rebuild worship. It's time to rebuild community. It's time to rebuild impact. Our prayer for you as the campus pastors are stepping up is that, that God would help you see where your world is shrunk, that God would move your heart to enlarge the things you care about. He would give you the courage to act, and you will find that God's put exactly what you need in the back of your truck already. So campus pastors, would you step up and would you offer this sort of prayer of sending of impact over our church? So pray well, campus pastors.